Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, Ryan Buddick. So what you don't know about the entrepreneur's mindset. Now, what I think you do know is work hard, hustle, grind, 10x, yawn. I think we all know that working hard gets results, but I think in the modern world, People are burning out all the time. I think they're working hard, but not smart. I think some people are lonely, depressed, having mental health issues around um, being an entrepreneur. I think they're working really hard, but not necessarily making money in the right areas. The world is changing so much at the moment with all the different social media platforms and the technological advancement. And so what we wanted to discuss with you on this video are things you maybe don't know about the mindset of being an entrepreneur. Uh, we've got maybe 10 topics to cover and we're gonna go quite deep. So this isn't just one of those two or three minute woo videos, um, a little bit more deep than that. And um, Ryan, do you wanna let everyone know a bit about you and you start? Cool. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Ryan Pinnick. I'm the CEO of Super Genius. I actually started very much the same as Rob in real estate many, many years ago and uh, created some good success along the way. Uh, but then found out that as I was creating success, I was also experiencing uh, tension, experiencing mental, emotional challenges and stress. Uh, and that actually led me down the road of understanding more about psychology. I, I totally agree with you, by the way, and what you said in the beginning. Uh, I, I read a lot of personal development stuff. I walked on fire, jumped out planes, uh, faced my fear. I Woo! I, high five, everybody, high five. I faced my fear. I did it, any, I did it anyway, yeah. uh, and it didn't work for me. So it led me to a really obscure journey in finding what I now actually teach in seminars and some of you may have been seeing uh, me doing talks on around understanding the power of the subconscious mind, consciousness, and actually how we can manipulate our emotions and our mental well-being to actually be a positive force as opposed to a negative force. Um, so I just want to open up with one key idea, which is something that Napoleon Hill discovered when he created his book, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Napoleon Hill created a book called Think and Grow Rich, uh, studied some of the most successful people of Henry Ford's time. And actually, even though this is not a major key point in the book, uh, I actually found this to be one of the, the, the major lessons for me. And that was that Are the number one... you talking about the sexual transmutation of energy? Uh, that's for a Maybe different, that's the that's one, a different yeah. Facebook Live. He did live. talk about that, though. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we're going to do that one at midnight. Turn so your do make sexual sure energy into money. Into profit. That'll be another video. Multiple streams of... Uh, uh, sexual yeah. energy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, mate. Cool. Yeah, what, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he found out that the number one reason people failed wasn't a lack of strategy, it wasn't a lack of tactics, it was actually the inability to transform negative emotions. So along your journey... You know, you're very successful, you've got several businesses. What have you experienced along the way in terms of negative emotions, self-doubt, all that kind of stuff? Um, so this is something I'm wrestled with for a long time because like you, I've done all the positive high five, happy clappy seminars and learned a lot, by the way, so I'm mm. not knocking them. Mm. But what I realised is it's a balance of both forces, the highs, the lows, the ups and downs, the upside, the downside. 
you know, the wins, the challenges and and dealing with that roller coaster journey that I think makes successful people. So I guess I was a really negative person probably 15, 20 years ago where I saw the downside in everything. And then when I went on my personal development journey, I was sort of trying to see the upside of everything and, and almost in, in a way think positively like challenge wasn't challenge. Um, and there were no difficulties. You know when people say there are no problems, there are only solutions? Well, actually, I realise now there are some big bloody problems. <laughs> and yeah, you've got to turn that into a challenge, into a solution. Mm. So for me, these, these negative forces might have been shame. They might have been guilt. They might have been frustration. They might have been uh, like comparing myself to other people. They might have been comparing myself to where I perceived I should be. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always felt like I wasn't going well enough or far enough or making enough money. Yeah. And what I couldn't really wrestle with for many years was turning that into a positive force. Um, and, you know, because those... Those emotions are quite draining. They're, they don't give you this sort of empowered, uplifting spirit. But one thing I think I've learned over the last 15 years, so I've built multiple eight-figure, nine-figure businesses. Well, I've done 100 million in sales in the last 10 years in um, one of my businesses. Um, I've learned that actually this, these negative energy fields, frustration, procrastination, anger, revenge, mm. shame, guilt, fear. Jealousy. Jealousy, envy. Yeah. envy. Yeah. They're, they're, they are transmutable into positive energy mm. because they're still energy. Mm. So if you think of um, Star Wars, there's the dark side and then, of course, there's the, um, the light side of the force, the good side of the force. Well, the dark side is still very strong and it's still energy. Um, and what is it? The, um, the law of transfer of energy states that energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. I forget, was it, um, was it Newton's law of energy? Um, anyway, the, it was the, con the law of conservation of energy. So I believe you can actually turn negative energy into um, motivation. You can turn it into productivity. You can turn it into getting shit done. Um, uh, and you can turn it into value and service. And for me, that's the biggest thing. I have a, a hard time. I have difficulties and challenges. Okay, pick up the phone and, and call three clients and serve them well immediately or someone criticizes me online in, in quite a strong way immediately go and give care and service mm. to maybe my staff or my community so you can take that really strong dark energy you call it tension you've got tension written down there and instead of it going inwards and beating yourself up and down um as in beating yourself up and down yeah. um, not beating yourself <coughs> up and down um then you know, it's, it becomes a black hole or you can turn it into a shining light. Mm. Correct, 100%. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on sort of the tension and the, the, the darker force of energy? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Historically, by default, I'm quite a negative person. I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think it's good to have a perspective about what can happen potentially on the downside. So we, as Branson would say, you can minimize that risk around that. Mm. But then what I find is that people can either be polarized towards being negative or positive yeah. and actually uh, one of the philosophies that I talk about and teach is called hermetic philosophy and in the one of the key books that they describe uh, hermetics in 
is that the fact that the world has both polarities, mm. it's important to keep... Well, a battery has a positive and negative. Exactly. Uh, mains has positive Relationships, and Relationships. Yeah. Atoms, positive and negative. Everything. Profit, loss, yeah. it's all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I agree with you. One of, the, one of the key things is to be able to master your negative or positive tension. I've actually lost more money oh, being when positive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, I trust that dude. Let's yeah. just invest in yeah. that. Uh, we, you know, Don't worry about that. Yeah, do, yeah. do a deal with someone. Give too much away. We had a prawn sandwich watching Liverpool once. So he's a cool dude. And then, boom, you've lost money, right? Yeah. When I'm in a negative state, I don't lose any money because I don't take any action. That's yeah. a different problem. Yeah. Um, so I totally agree. So that I think you're almost talking about the, the, the polarized extremes. Correct. So my dad has unbiased. <laughs> Polar. Uh, it, it's called manic depression. And actually, um, the time when I am now the most worried is when he's high. Mm. So in the early days when we didn't know what it was all about, when he was high, we we're like, ah, oh, dad's out of his depression. He's not. He's in mania, yeah, yeah. which is often worse. He is the more destructive when he's really high um, because he's not thinking about downside. And many business owners and entrepreneurs, because they're so emotional, bouncing from mania to depression to mania to depression. Or you might have a, a more narrow frequency where your mania isn't as high and your depression isn't as low, but it's still bouncing. This is a really good point, and people never say this. You, you can make a lot of your bad hiring, mm. finance, um, and strategic decisions. You can make bad decisions when you're high, yeah. not necessarily when you're low. Because when mm. you're low, okay, you don't have great energy and you probably should, you're probably not going to sell as well, but you're probably going to protect. Yeah, yeah. That's a manufactured positivity, you know? So mm. if I'm feeling negative, I don't actually want to manufacture a positive state. I want to go, you know what? I don't feel great right now. And that's cool because what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to look at my emotions as if they weather patterns. Some days it's sunny, some days it's not so sunny, but it's still a day. Mm. And so I'm actually going to try and not pay, uh, pay attention or take action about what my emotions are telling me to do, but I'm going to try and focus on things which are more important, like my purpose. Maybe maybe if I'm not feeling great about my business today, I might go out with my partner, we might go for a walk, and by being in an, an environment or being with someone that I love, that actually transmutes the energy from a negative energy where I would have maybe got upset with someone, sent BT an email for not installing my internet, all that kind of stuff, uh, which uh, you know I've experienced in the past. So, so putting myself in an environment whereby I'm actually doing something that I love, riding my motorcycle, making a sale, I love serving people, that actually makes me use the negative tension that I'm experiencing for whatever reason. Maybe I've had a, a conflict with my family, which is, you know, it can happen. By, by focusing on my purpose, I then find that the energy that would have been destructive or dysfunctional can actually empower me and propel me to be more creative in the moment, like some of my best ads, I do a lot of Facebook ads, some of my best slides, some of my best workshop structures have come from a place of anger because I've just had a conflict with a supplier or something. And so the trick then for me, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what people are uh, experiencing, if they can relate to what we're saying here, if you can just type in the comments box below if you guys can relate to what we're talking about, but using those negative emotions to actually go, cool, I'm gonna create something beyond what I'm yeah. used to in terms of my level of consciousness. Uh, that that's a great skill. Uh, mm. I'm not saying I do that all the time. By the way, <laughs> I'm yeah, a Liverpool supporter. We go yeah, up yeah, and down, yeah. you know. <laughs> but actually, this is a really interesting conversation because I've got here on my list managing emotions. Yeah. And I think if I could translate what you're saying into it another way, it is a being aware of the emotional state you're in. Yeah. And not delusional, but B is either taking a breath or taking those ninety seconds. Um, apparently, um, you know when you react from an 
um, when you're triggered by something external, because emotions are just feedback to the environment. Yeah. Um, so something happens in the environment and it triggers an emotion, you know, and it might be a survival emotion, it might be a reward emotion. But if it's a real survival emotion where you're triggered and you feel that initial chemical hit all over your body, um, there's apparently about 90 seconds where it's really hard for you to be in control mm. of those emotions and you're probably a servant or a slave to them unconsciously. And I think it's in those 90 seconds when we fuck up our life, mm. when, you know, when we get angry with people, when we become a keyboard warrior, when, <laughs> you know, when we make a really bad decision in a meeting because we've been triggered. So I think the first thing is understanding what the emotion is. The second thing is giving yourself those 90 seconds to not go and do something stupid. Yeah. And by the way, that, like we've said, and this is really important to say, it's the really high emotion as well as really the really low emotions. For example, when you're really low, you might say no too much. But when you're really high, you probably say yes too much. So you've got to balance that out. I have a load of ideas when I'm really high, but I'm, my awareness of if they're good or not is not very good. Mm. My awareness of my ideas are really good, i.e. if they're good or not, when I'm in a lower state. But when I'm in a lower state, I'm not very good at creating the emotions. Um, but then you have polarised people where I'm often the high one who's good at all the ideas and my business partner is often the lower one where he always looks for the downside of all the ideas. Mm. So I know it's back to these steps. Step one, awareness of the emotion. Step two, take the 90 seconds to not do something really erratic or um, sort of uh, reactive. Or take as long as you need to disassociate yourself from that emotion. That's true, and that might... You know. but, but in some instances, you might need to walk away and go for a walk. Correct, yeah. But in other instances, you could use that emotion to your advantage. Yeah. Like you said, you use some negative energy. Let's, I'll tell you something that's really common. You see a c competitor to do something, and it upsets you. You get angry, you get jealous, you feel revenge, you think they're scamming, you think you should be doing more. Well, of more. course you're going to make a Facebook post about that. Well, right? of course, yeah, yeah. You're going to straight away go and do a live about that. And then when the that. 90 seconds is gone, of course you're going to delete it. And absolutely. just put, lol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or a little heart. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Pumps, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the point is, if you get over yourself in those 90 seconds, you can now go, right, my competitors are stepping up. I'm going to use the laws of a market force and I'm going to put that energy not into what they're doing, but into my product, yeah. make my product better. So when I see a lot of my competitors doing what they do, in the old days, that would chase me down their rabbit warren. Now what it does is make me go, how do I make progressive better? Mm. How do I put that energy, that frustration, or like I should be better at that, and how do I make progressive better or myself better? So yes, you could take a walk or meditate and all that, but if you lose that emotion, mm. you also lose the energy. Yeah. So this is what, Napoleon Hill was so far ahead of his time. Because yeah. talking about transmutation of energy, it's not really talked about in YouTube videos or personal development or anything like not that. Not even these days. Yeah. No. Yeah. But the point is, it's like, don't waste that energy. Mm. Because all energy is latent to be transformed into another form. So that's why I talk about the law of conservation of energy. It can't be created or destroyed. It can only be changed form. So um, use your loneliness to put yourself out there more. Use your frustration to work harder. Um, you know, use your envy and jealousy to improve your products and services to outsmart your competition. 100%. Yeah. So I'll, cool. give, I'll give you a quick example yeah, of that. Um, it was about 12 months ago. I was going out speaking. You know, people know me about speaking about genius and so forth. You know, Jay Shady has got a reasonable following, um, you know, and uh, I got an email. More than the pair of us. So <laughs> yeah. We're not going to More than him. yours times mine or to the power of. Uh, anyway, so I got an email from Jay Shady. I don't know how that happened. And it said, welcome to the Genius Coaching Program. And I was like, that 
beep, beep, beep. Yeah, I don't know who's watching. Uh, and I got really furious and I was like, oh my God, this dude, what does he know about genius? He's just got a whole bunch of followers and blah, blah, blah. So after I got over that little um, you know, minor insecure rant in the a dark side of my house, uh, I then used that energy Right, because energy cannot be created or destroyed. Like I'm a hundred percent in on that. Only, uh, and then I was like, cool. Forward. I can bitch, complain, and maybe even bring him down, which I think I used to do a lot of. Mm. In all honesty, I used to try and elevate myself by um, pointing out the weaknesses and and, and judging uh, people uh, and negatively. So when I, even though I. Uh, didn't act in that from that perspective, I still had the energy because mm. one of the key things that I teach is that tension's got to go somewhere. Yeah. If you've got an elastic band, you stretch that elastic band, that tension's got to go somewhere. Mm. So if you can hold onto the tension, transform it from envy, which I experienced at that point, to go, cool, what can I create? Because that's a very yeah. powerful question. What would I love? What can I create? How can I harness this energy? Who can I serve? Exactly. What can I solve? 100%. Yeah. That actually helped me evolve my methodology from being just about genius to self-sabotaging unconscious ego, a whole bunch of other key things. Mm. And, and guess what? That actually led me to making more sales. Yeah. So, you know, that was a really powerful lesson for me because I was intimidated. The guy's got everyone following him. You know, mm. Oprah follows him. Everyone yeah. follows him. And that's an example of how you, me, anyone can use a moment of competition, insecurity, fear, anxiety to step away, dissociate from saying to us, cool, we've got a negative emotion, fear, anger, positivity, which is elation yeah. uh, to that level. And then the other question I want everyone to ask is, I've got this negative emotion, what's it telling me to do? So if you've got this self-awareness to step away, firstly recognize you've got a ne- negative emotion, and then say, what is the negative emotion telling me to do? Bitch, complain, collude, justify. Yeah, 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 bring that person down, great. So that's my, um, that's my small limiting self communicating. And then in a way, you can almost imagine yourself going up into space and to look at things from a higher perspective and go from that higher perspective, I can either act like a child, what I mean is childish, or what would the greater, bigger person do in this scenario? And what I specifically say is, what can I create that would serve my purpose and everyone else's purpose, as opposed to, do I want to get into a fight? Mm. So these are some questions that I ask myself that you know, hopefully people who are watching this uh, will benefit from, and uh, I'm sure you've done you know, over, over your years as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you think about energy, and again, it can't be created or destroyed, only uh, transferred and changed form, how much energy do people consume or waste in fights, in yeah. arguments, online, defending um, you, you know, like focusing on what everyone else is doing, complaining, moaning, bitching, slagging. I mean, that must take hours a day. If you could take that, like for me, art did that for me. And I did, yeah. art was my first sort of step into proper business because um, I sort of failed as an architect, failed as a pub landlord. Um, I got into art and I worked for myself for the first time because I was always working for someone else. And even though I didn't make millions out of art, if I had any, um, like, envy, beating myself up, loneliness, self-loathing, all those emotions I went through, I'd just go and chuck paint all over a canvas or I'd get a piece of steel and just start doing stuff on it or I'd lick stamps and put them on a canvas or I'd um, varnish jelly babies and put them all in a row in military formation. And it was kind of like my therapy. And I'm very open with this, but my podcasts, my lives, my discussions, my books, my work, it's... It's my therapy in a lot of ways. Mm, mm. And, and that's how you turn it into good. 
So all the pain I had growing up, being bullied as a, an, an overweight kid, not feeling like I fit in. And by the way, I've had a relatively privileged upbringing, so I'm not playing a violin, but we've mm. all had our own shit. Mm. Um, but all, all the shit that I felt I had and the baggage I created growing up, I carried that with me everywhere I went. I carried that into relationships. I carried that into applying for jobs. I carried that into friendships. And we all know when we're friendly with someone who carries all their baggage into it, or we're in a relationship where they bring their past into the present, we know how damaging for relationships that can be. And art was my first step at actually going, do you know what, I feel whatever today, because sometimes also feeling really good, mm. uh, and then I can go and throw that all over my art. And I learned the cathartic release of emotions into work. Mm. And I'm doing the same thing now, just with podcasts, with books, with training events, um, with one-to-one coaching calls, with mm. mentoring, with creating joint ventures and partnerships and masterminds and y- you name it. So you can turn all of your pain mm. into something productive, into powerful, into service, or you can just let it break you and, and ruin you. And yeah. I think really that's the difference between successful people and people who are struggling is they, they, they managed to turn their pain. If you look at Oprah Winfrey, she was abused as a child. Mm. You know, and if you J.K. Look, Rowling, you yeah. know, got divorced, lost everything she thought she wanted, the white picket fence, the marriage and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then she said, look, I've got nothing else now. Very skilled person. She could have got a job as an English teacher, uh, previously a lecturer. Yeah. And then in that moment of pain, she wrote Harry Potter. And I think she's done quite well from that. Viktor Frankl, who was in the concentration yeah. camps, wrote Man, wrote Man's Search for Adele. Meaning and created logotherapy. Yeah, Adele singing. Yeah. Imagine if Adele's created positive songs. You exactly. Know? Like, instead of being hello, it'd be hello. I just don't think yeah. it would have sold. No, you're right. So, um, and... <laughs> What, what these people are doing are taking their human emotions, because I think a lot of people are trying to hide or deny mm. or they're a victim to their emotions, not really understanding that. Uh, and one of my mentors, John Martini, taught me that like, um, you can't deny any of your emotions. Mm. Um, every single one of your emotions, um, it serves a purpose. Yeah. Otherwise, it, you know, it serves as a reaction to the environment and feedback to the environment. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that emotion. Mm. So it's not about getting rid of fear. It's not about not feeling envy and jealousy and everything because they can be actually quite powerful motivational emotions. It's just about how to handle them. Mm. So what we've got next on your list? Well, I think uh, what, you're, what you're talking about is really interesting. And uh, I'm curious. I'm going to actually th- maybe throw the cat among the pigeons here. Um, oh, you devil. Oh, oh, do you monkey. Do behave. You monkey. <laughs> um, so what, what are your thoughts about someone being able to, in a way, evolve their consciousness, evolve their presence, whatever word you want to use, their spiritual evolution, their mindset, their emotional evolution, to a point where actually they can actually take more on? Because as your business grew, I'm sure you got more responsibility, you got more staff, you got more critics, you got more content out there, more people calling you all sorts of things. Uh, Bitch, you know, liquor, dick, rider, motherfucker, all those kind of things, which they say. Forward slash dot com. That is a webinar we're creating, yeah. uh, how to be one of those people, exactly yeah. what he said. Um, so, so you actually end up, uh, I, I love the phrase because I'm a total mass geek, inversely proportional. I don't know why I love it. I know Mark loves uh, compounding. Mm-hmm. Mine is inversely proportional. But when I first started my journey, the smallest thing would have given me the biggest stress. Right. So now I've, you know, I've got a little good business that's ticking along going out doing great things now i can actually take on more stuff but feel less fearful yeah so as we evolve as we create our way out of pain we actually then can take more pain on yeah um you know i heard an expression where you never get more than what you can handle yeah so in a way my experience and i'm 
I don't know, I'm curious to hear your experience, is as you evolve your creativity, your awareness, your mastery of self-awareness and all that kind of stuff, is it your experience too that you actually, you know, take things less personally? Um, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, someone would have said something and you've been like, oh, you know, two weeks of uh, self-loathing and yeah. questioning. Whereas now you kind of maybe just enjoy it. You know, yeah. on the way here, I was reading some Facebook comments and some haters and some interesting stuff on the ads, which yeah. is going to happen. And I think even just two years ago, I would have <coughs> taken that really personally and gone, mm. oh, why the hell am I doing this? If I wanted abuse, I'd have just gone back to school, you know. Mm. <laughs> Whereas now I actually, I actually like screenshot those uh, haters uh, and I find it quite a funny experience. So do you think it's possible for people to evolve yeah. to a point where they, in that a way, is, that is detox from these negative emotions and, and become free from them? Well, if we think about what, what is the purpose of life for humanity, um, I don't profess to know everything, but surely it's got to be to evolve as a species, mm. to um, you know, master our environment or survive as a species. Mm. So evolution is the constant reaction and improvement within our environment. So that's the same in business, and that's the same in dealing with critics, etc. is each time, because usually evolution comes from challenge, um, and, and challenge creates growth. So what doesn't create growth is atrophy, mm. or relaxation, or happiness. Um, and a lot of people are searching for the meaning of life to be happiness, but evolution isn't driven by happiness. Happiness is the reward for evolution. So happiness emotions are our reward that we get at the end of the challenge. Mm. Um, so we have these survival emotions that are stronger than our reward emotions to make sure that we can evolve as a species. Yeah. But if we didn't have a reward for those challenge emotions, there would be nothing to work towards. Yeah. So we have the reward emotions of happiness, fulfillment, you know, etc. There's many of those. So therefore you're going to have fleeting moments of reward emotion, but probably longer moments of challenge emotion, 100%. survival emotion. Um, and all growth comes through challenge, not through reward, mm. because when, you reward, when you're rewarded, you relax, and then when you relax, you don't serve, solve, fix, strive. And I know people think it can be a bit um, draining as an entrepreneur to always be having to fix and serve and solve and grow. But that's the link to the purpose of evolution, where we always have to be fig fixing and improving and strengthening. Mm. So the more challenge you get, as long as you can handle it, it forces you to grow. And as you grow, what happens is the, the problems don't go away. Mm. You transcend them. Correct. So too many people are wishing their problems away, mm. expecting it to get easier. And there's that saying, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better, or don't wish it were easier, get better. So like 10 years ago, someone could have said, Rob, you look fat in your video, or Rob, you're talking shit. And I would have been depressed for three days. Yeah. Now they can throw all the mud at me and I'll just chuckle away and I'll read them and laugh and have a little bit of banter with them. And create a training about it. Exactly. And run a course on how to run a course <laughs> or, or how to deal. I'm going, definitely going to write a book on how to deal with critics, trolls, haters, wankers. Um, and, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll make a million pounds out of turning that into content. So, so, turn, um, your, turn your pain into profit. Exactly. There's a lot about yeah. turning your passion into profit. Yeah, but what turn about your turning pain. your pain into profit? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I believe if you put yourself in challenging situations, which you have to do as an entrepreneur, 
and you figure them out. And by the way, you don't have to figure them all out yourself. Mm. You can um, outsource and leverage and ask for help and get mentors and go on courses. I and mean, a lot of people are trying to figure out too much themselves. You, you don't wish it were easier, you get better. Mm. And then that problem goes away, not because it's not there anymore, because you've transcended it and you don't see it and it's no longer a problem. And the ongoing leveling up of business going from, you know, like four figures to five figures to six figures to seven figures to eight figures to nine figures to ten figures is being able to handle and have a greater capacity and mastery mm. of bigger problems. Mm. And which, so, which produce bigger emotions, exactly. by the way. Yeah. yeah. And so some people are wishing that away. Yeah. They're like, I wish things would get easier instead of making it easier by getting bigger and better and taking on more challenges. Mm. So I have this kind of sadistic thing in business now where the bigger the problem, I want to take it on. Yeah, I don't want you to have it. I want to have it because I want to level up. And no, I want, I want to have it. Yeah, well, there you go. But I'm having it first. <laughs> no. um, well, I'll outsource it to you and yeah. then we can split the difference. Okay, good, good idea. We'll yeah. do a JV on it. Um, <laughs> but like, there's still the child part of you that like, oh, I wish that didn't happen. That's terrible yeah. timing. Why can't someone fix that for me? I've got better yeah. things to do. That's going to be hard. I don't want to do it. But actually, the bigger the problem you fix the more you get rewarded as an entrepreneur, whether that's leadership, brand, vision, value, or revenue. Um, and entrepreneurs, essentially what we do is we go and find the world's biggest problems and we solve them for profit. Mm. And we take risks that the public sector don't take. And at the moment, the world's biggest problems are plastics and um, climate and um, health and all of that. And that is a massive entrepreneur's opportunity mm. to step up to the next level uh, and to make a lot more money and serve in the same way. Mm. And if you look at business models, Uber, Airbnb, etc. I mean, I mean, Airbnb would have had to deal with deaths mm. in properties. Um, and Uber would have had to deal with um, kidnaps and rapes in mm. cars. Mm. So when I think about my training business, no one thankfully has died in our training suite. And, mm. you know, I, I, we've given, no one's died from our information that we've given. If things are hard for me, I think, well, if you're Uber or Airbnb, really disruptive, try to change a model in the early days where there wasn't the safety and security, mm. you have a much harder job. Um, and it's always good, I think. We compare ourselves mostly unfavorably to others. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really wise to immediately in your mind go and compare yourself favorably to balance it out. So if I look at you and I go, you're better looking than me, you've got a more successful business than me, I might go, well, I've, I'm, I'm more creative mm. and I've got a, a bigger Facebook group and a better, more loyal following. And it's not about comparing myself to you, but... If I'm going to pedestalize you, I need to pedestalize myself. Yeah. Um, and by the same token, if we put people down uh, just to lift ourselves up, that, that's out of balance. So, yeah. yeah. And maybe I went a bit round and round the houses there, but you know. No, no. Well, I mean, that's how you made money. You went round the houses. So it's good. <laughs> um, so I, I actually read a couple of books and um, <clears throat> watched a documentary. I, I read the Phil Mark Shoe Dog book. Mm. Great book, right? So if you haven't read that, please do that. Because 98% of the book is struggle. And actually, as I was reading that book and each chapter, his life got worse, I just got a bigger sense of relief. I yeah. actually would be on the, I was on the plane, I remember reading this, and I would get quite emotional because I thought, geez, I'm out there struggling. Uh, am I the only person that feels not good enough? Am I the only person that feels lonely because at the end of the day, even though I've got a wonderful partner uh, and people that support me and mentors and masterminds, at the end of the day, like I'm the one at 8 a.m. that's got to make the decision and it could take me towards what I want or take me away from it. Yeah. So, so reading Shoe Dog was a, a, a beautiful book, and I don't want to do too much of a, a spoiler alert, but the reward comes right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like two pages, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you've watched the documentary on Usain Bolt in Netflix, 
you know, the guy suffers for four years to get 9.4 or mm. 9.5 seconds of satisfaction. Yeah. And, and we all romantically look at him on the Puma ads and we go, geez, he must have an amazing life. And if you watch that documentary, you realize that most of the time, thanks to his coach and his support group, he's actually being held accountable to keep uh, practicing, keep stretching himself, like mm. physically. We're talking about mental, emotional stretching, but he stretches himself mentally, emotionally and, and physically. And uh, he's literally throwing up. His mates are going out drinking rum, going to carnivals, womanizing, which is actually what he loves to do. Mm. That's what he loves doing because people often can say, you must do what you love. Well, if Usain Bolt was always doing what he would love, he'd be drinking rum, going to carnivals and womanizing. But what he committed to doing was to being the world's greatest athlete. And his reward was 9.4 or 9.5 seconds after four years of suffering. Yeah. And, and I think that's when I share these stories on stage as people are somewhat relieved and also people who have not potentially created a lot in their life for whatever reason, no judgment, realize that, holy cow, if it gets difficult, just keep going. Mm. It's totally cool. It's part of the process. Yeah. So I think what I, what I really struggled with and wrestled with in the personal development world was everybody seemed happy. It's a bit like an Instagram universe. Uh, yet I found that I was experiencing negative emotions on a regular basis. Not that they were disarming me or making me dysfunctional but I thought there must have been something wrong with me yeah you know so if you're out there you're trying things out you're not getting the results you want uh, you're feeling bad it's totally normal but just like just disassociate yourself from those emotions and keep your eye on the reward yeah you know and the reward is infinitely more powerful even though it's a shorter period of time generally than the pain you know you sit there on the beach in Marbella where you are uh, thinking back geez, wow, I've been suffering for a year or two, I'm having a great time. Uh, enjoy that moment because when you wake up tomorrow morning, it's all going to go to shit. So when you, I think another thing for people to think about is when you are experiencing the reward phase, enjoy it. Mm. Really enjoy it. Um, another chap who, who I find very interesting is called Neil Gaiman, very successful author, uh, and uh, he launched very good comics. Uh, he does a very powerful uh, speech on Vimeo, around uh, university and so forth. And he became very famous, very successful. And Stephen King said to him, Neil, whatever you do, enjoy this moment, right? And of course he didn't, because he just went on to the next book. And he tried to make a book that was better than the previous book. And, uh, you know, that period of reward was a short period. And in the speech, he says to these students, and in a way, I I thought maybe this wisdom was kind of wasted on them because they have to go through their own pain (laughs) uh, to realize this that his biggest regret was he, did, he didn't enjoy the moments of reward and success and, and, and basically achieving what he wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot in there, but, you know, uh, I, th- I think there's a misconception that it's 98% reward and happiness and 2% struggle. Yeah. It's probably the other way around, actually, yeah. in reality. And actually, that's not a bad thing from my perspective. <clears throat> As a human, the human experience... There's water there if you need it. Oh, thanks. I thought that was triple, uh, triple distilled. <laughs> uh, from my experience, I don't actually want to not feel, f- feel fearful. I don't want to not feel angry and all these negative emotions. I don't want to take action on them, but I want to feel them because they're going to keep me honest and hopefully humble, touch wood. And also they're going to pu- push me and propel me and stretch me to create solutions that I couldn't think of yesterday when I was comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah. You've made me write loads of notes here, <laughs> as you can see in here. Are we live on Disruptive Entrepreneur there? Maybe we should end that and then go on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So, um, purpose of life, I wrote. Cool. I think one of the biggest myths out there on the planet is that the purpose of life is happiness. 
the purpose of raising your kids is to make them happy. No, the purpose of life is growth, self-actualization, in my humble opinion. Because if the purpose of life is happiness and we could all get to the destination of happiness, then nothing would happen. And then the world would end within a generation. So mm. the purpose of life is growth and living to our highest potential as an individual, because mm. we all have to do different things to serve humanity. We have, we, you need a cobbler, a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. And so we're all meant to have a different path to have a, an overall value to society. This is why you know, people, entrepreneurs get paid well, linked to the value that they have. This is why capitalism and economics work as they do. So this is another thing about if you're struggling, um, if you're feeling down, turn that into creating value because then society will reward you accordingly because society needs your value. Mm. So I believe... What, what you said is really important, okay? So you've alluded to it throughout this conversation. Happiness is the reward, not the purpose. This is so important to say. And also, uh, I actually come from a challenging background. So again, not a violent story, but I've only got one story. And I actually went on a whole journey about what's the meaning of life, what's purpose. I read Viktor Frankl's book. My whole library from uh, mm. pre-Amazon was all about purpose. Find your purpose. <clears throat> well, I then discovered through my own uh, experience that when things weren't going well or things were going well, if I put all my energy into what I wanted to create next, not just on a professional level, but on a, on a personal level, maybe I wanted to create a holiday. Maybe I want to create a track day on my motorcycle. If I put all my thoughts, emotions, energy, feelings into creativity, then actually, one, I serve the world, right? Because uh, I engage my spiritual self, my spirit is then you know, guiding me to what I would love to create. Uh, that can only be good uh, for the world and for others. I get rewarded, generally speaking, in relation to wealth, uh, appreciation, fulfillment, etc. And I'm not focusing on fixing myself because there's nothing to fix. I'm just focusing on create, like creativity. Mm. So I do, I actually believe my, that our purpose is to create something. Mm. And you alluded to this at the beginning of our conversation. When, when you had various experiences prior to having your businesses, you uh, expressed your emotions yeah. into art, right? And I think that's the key thing. So if, if you're thinking out there like, oh gosh, I'm having a tough day, or oh, I'm bored, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not good enough, just stop and ask yourself, what would I love to create now? It could be a dinner yeah. with, your, with your family. It could be a dinner with yourself. And that's the transmutation of energy. <clears throat> 100%. And that is the law of conservation of energy, taking it from negative to positive 100%. into a new form. So you said earlier about um, the reward and Neil Gaiman and the advice from Stephen King. Yeah. So I believe that virtually everything, if not everything in the world, exists in a, a, a paradox, a paradoxical paradox where you can't have the upside without the downside, the downside with the upside, and where we're looking for polarisation of meaning, the reality is um, a kind of ironic, sadistic paradox. So the entrepreneur's journey is one of those. We need the reward, mm. but as soon as we get the reward, we're empty because we need the hustle. So for me, entrepreneurship is about, yes, setting your overall mission and purpose. You need the, the destination, which is like two generations beyond you. You know, the, following on purpose and on mission, which I know, I know for a fact I'm on purpose and on mission, and that, that's very liberating. It doesn't make me happy, I just know that, because <laughs> actually sometimes that can make, create tension because mm. you know how much you've got to do. Exactly. Yeah. But that tension is what the world needs for me so that I can go and create stuff. 
So we set a goal. You know when people go, I want three grand a month. When they get there, what do they want? Five grand a month. When they get there, they want 10 grand a month. When they get there, they want 20. So I believe the entrepreneur's journey is about setting the next destination uh, and having enough tension to mm. strive to get it, but not too much that it beats you down. Correct. And don't compare yourself to anyone else. And then when you get there, you've got to smoke the cigar, smell the roses, drink the cocktail, breathe in the moment, allow, you have to give yourself permission for that. A lot of people, they're not giving themselves permission to enjoy it. Now, by the way, you can enjoy the journey as well as the destination. Yeah, exactly. But let's be honest, the, when they say, oh, just enjoy the journey, not the destination. No, enjoy the journey and the destination. Um, and enjoy it for an amount of time, like completely oblivious to your next journey. And then the next day, the next week, the next month, okay, right, now my next goal. And, and that is not an endless pursuit that, can, that, that has to feel empty and, and overbearing. Mm, yeah. That, for me, is a continual pursuit that is exciting and yeah. rewarding. Why would I want to know that in three steps' time, my journey is over? I'm 40 years old. I don't want my journey to be over in three steps' time. Are you 40? Yeah, I'm wow. 40 years old. Said, you look great, man. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so hustle, reward, repeat. Hustle, reward, repeat. Hustle, reward, repeat. Next thing you talked about. Um, comparison, loneliness, mm. etc. So I've put here in a little circle facts, awareness and context because the problem with comparing yourself to others is you haven't got all the facts. Mm -hmm. So if I look at you I and I think that you're better in some areas, I don't know the shit you had to deal with in South Africa when you were a kid. Mm. I don't know how easy or hard it's been, how much money you had, how mm. much experience you've had before me. I can't compare myself to you because mm. you've got a completely different life. And so many people are looking at entrepreneurs, and, um, you know, people who are doing what they're doing, and oh, it's easier for them or um, they're screwing people over or whatever, but they don't know their story. Mm. So I think you've got to get a really good awareness of what's going on in the world, which means you've got to get mentors. You've got to read books, listen to, po listen to podcasts, you know, probably a little bit about politics, not too much. Maybe you've got to be well-traveled because mm. when you've got a really good peripheral awareness of what's going on in the world, you realise we're all different. You realise you can't compare yourself to anyone else. When you stop comparing yourself to everyone else, you don't have that empty feeling that you're not doing enough. And then when you feel like you're struggling alone and you're lonely and you're down and you're depressed and you're a victim, you know you're not because you've seen the world. Mm. Just go to fucking Africa for mm. like a few weeks or whatever and you'll soon get rid of all of that. So putting context around everything you do helps with that curse of comparison yeah. and loneliness. Um, I think it's vital to have mentors. Yeah. I think it's vital to talk to people. I think it's vital if you're struggling to reach out to people, to um, share some of your pains, to ask for help. So many people are so, too, so much too proud to ask for help. Mm. But if you don't ask for help and you suffer alone and you're trying to figure out something you've never done before, mm. that's hard. That's actually one of my biggest regrets is when I was in my 20s and I was starting the entrepreneur journey is... Um, I think we're living <coughs> everywhere at the moment. One, two, three, four, five cameras. I think the BBC have just arrived Ooh, as well. Five cameras. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So my, my biggest regret is in my twenties. I because of pride, embarrassment, yeah, shame, when yeah. when I was uh, making mistakes, kind of kept it to myself and uh, and and wasted a lot of time, right? And and actually, one of my biggest surprises in, initially in getting mentors, masterminds, and all that kind of stuff is that actually most people want to support you. Yeah. And I, that was a shock You are to me. robbing people of joy yeah. by not asking them for help. 100%. And people say to me all the time, I don't want to burden you. I wouldn't want to burden yeah, that yeah, yeah. person. I'll tell you, tell you something. Let's say you had a friend who was struggling a bit and then they committed suicide mm. and then you found a letter mm. and it said, Dear Rob, I didn't want to burden you with my struggles. Yeah. How would you fucking feel? You would feel awful. Yeah. You would want to help someone in need 
So don't rob someone else of that. The next thing is anyone who's been successful in business, find me anyone, okay, maybe a billionaire, maybe someone who's had a lot of hardship, maybe an introvert. But I reckon 80% of successful entrepreneurs want to give back, want to help, want to mentor, want to support. In fact, some people like us, we make a living out of that. Mm. Um, But there's such bad advice out there in the world. You know, when people say, learn from your mistakes, I think it's quite bad advice. I think learn from the mistakes of others. Learn from the mistakes of mentors. Learn from the mistakes of the people who've been there. And, you know, other people say, well, if you want something done properly, do it yourself. No, if you want something done properly, get someone better than you to do it, more experienced than you. Like if you gave me some code to write, that's that's done. That's failed. That's never going to (laughs) work. Why don't you just get a good coder? Or you can send it to me. I study that. Send it to you and pay you a fair sum, (laughs) a fair exchange price for coding. That's a great point, yeah. I mean, business really is quite a a beautiful thing because Mm. you can do the things that you love and express yourself creatively. And then you can outsource the accounts, the finance, although if you love that, you outsource the opposite. You can outsource the marketing. You can outsource all the areas that you don't enjoy doing. And you create jobs, economy, taxation, revenue by outsourcing all those things. So you're contributing to society society even more. Um, And you get to do more of what you love. But one more thing I wrote. So this is all in response to you. So you've got me fired up here. Good. I've got more to come. Um, A lot of people say, oh, only do what you love. You've got to find what you love. Um, Follow your passion. Um, Because if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I think that's only half of the equation. Mm. Because on the one hand, I think it's really important to be in a passion, profession, vocation, vacation that sets you alive, that you do enjoy. But so many people are chucking the towel in the minute it gets hard. And in everything you love, there's things you hate. In everyone you admire, there's things you detest. Mm. In every business model that you know, you think would bring you joy and happiness and leverage. It brings you pain and challenge. Mm. And you cannot get away from the downside and the upside. I, I love the businesses I have, but there are fucking big challenges. At the yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. So be careful with this. Do what you love and, and only do what you love to do. And as soon as, the, as soon as you fall out of love, then don't do it anymore. Be careful with that. Um, because most of the time, even the things you love, you can loathe in the moment. Yeah, of course. And... Uh my perspective on that uh, is slightly different, is that create what you love, right? Because you'll have bumps, you'll have insecurities, you'll have challenges, markets change, all sorts of things. Algorithms stop working, you know, mm. daily. Yeah. Um, so, so I stopped trying to do what I love and I started to focus on creating what I love and accepting that all sorts of experiences are going to happen along the way. Mm. And then that took the pressure off. Uh, in a slightly different perspective as You've well. You've just had a reminder to have dinner with me on your phone. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll right. message him to tell him right, I'm late because yeah, I'm having a really yeah. good fucking chat. Yeah. Here. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, what I love, my passion <coughs> is my motorcycle, mm. right? Going around my mic, that's cool. So, so when I'm sitting there, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, maybe because I haven't slept because an aspect of the business isn't going as well as I'd like, et cetera, et cetera. I honestly, I just imagine myself on my motorcycle and then I go, that's the reward, right? And it might be four, six, seven weeks away where I'm going to be riding my bike, but that's what I look forward to. My work, I've got a slightly different perspective on. I actually enjoy speaking. I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I enjoy making sales. I actually enjoy employing people. It's a great uh, sense of fulfillment for me to know that, you know, when I see my team going out and, and they're grateful for their 
job. They, they love being part of a team where we're making a difference. I just go, holy cow, I'm, I'm giving that family a, a livelihood or at least contributing to it. Mm. But actually what I really love, apart from my girlfriend, which I need to say, uh, what I really love is my motorcycle. So my business and my work actually supports my passion. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, it actually helps me get less stressful about when things aren't going really well and, and, and empowers me to actually look on the bright side when maybe things aren't going well. I, I just want to throw something uh, towards you here. One of the, because you've alluded to it and I, and I think it's important to just wrap something around this. One of the only ways that I know of, in fact, the only way I know someone can actually stretch themselves, take more tension on and, and successfully create on a consistent basis is to wrap themselves around structure. So I actually learned this by being involved in addiction and so forth, where we can actually have someone completely addicted to all sorts of drugs and mind-altering substances, go to something like AA or NA, and then overnight stop taking drugs, right? Yeah. And that structure, 12-step fellowships, all that kind of stuff, that has mentor or sponsor, mm. it has meetings like mastermind, and it has training. So when I realized this through my own journey in addiction, whenever there's something I wanted to create in my life, I've got a mentor or mentors. Yeah. I wrap myself around people who are on the journey with me so we can share our struggles in a vulnerable fashion and realize, gosh, I'm not the only person doing that. And, and also uh, made sure that I was continuously learning. So for anyone who wants to stretch their tension, stretch their cap capability to create in whatever area of life you're looking to evolve, you've got to, you've got to put structures in your life that hold you accountable. Mm. The same bolt had a coach yes. who kicked his ass out of bed every, every morning. Is huge. You know, he's like, yeah. get out of the bed. It's like, no, man, I want to. I don't know what accent that was. But uh, uh, Japanese, Welsh, sort of. Um, so accountability, structures that kick our asses when we don't want to take action. Yeah. That, it's a cliche, but it's, it's crucial. You're, yeah. just, you're not going to be successful consistently if you don't have Agreed. structures around that prop you up Agreed. and stretch you and Agreed. challenge you yeah. and hold you accountable. The and easiest person to lie to is yourself. Yeah. The easiest person to let off the hook is yourself. The easiest yeah. person to tell a story to is yourself. Right, on that note, let's finish. Awesome. So um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. My name is Rob Moore. You can find my books, audio books and all that stuff just by searching uh, Rob Moore or Rob Moore Progressive online. Where can people follow you, Ryan? Uh, just look up Ryan Pinnock. And uh, I'm not the dude that got arrested in the States. who was one of the most wanted Americans, although he's now on page eight of Google, thanks to my SEO uh, endeavors. Uh, but look, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, generally hang out with this dude. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation on things maybe you don't know being an entrepreneur. I think we covered everything on our list. Yeah, make comments, um, by the way. We want to hear what you yeah, learned. If, what, what, if you've got any resonate. questions, yeah. um, put them in the threads on the lives or on YouTube. Yeah. I'll come in and answer some questions you've got. Um, yeah. Uh, and I always check out with my little saying, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.